back into our series uh, tonight. And uh, is there anybody that got in here without a copy of the outline? Anybody need a copy of the outline? Just raise your hand. One of our men can. Anybody need one? And it looks like you did well. All right. So uh, take your Bibles tonight. We're in Galatians 5. And we're looking at these two verses because we're talking about fruit that grows where the stream flows. Jesus said that his desire is that we who are saved, we who are Christians, that we would bear fruit. And then he says that every one of us should have not only fruit, but more fruit. And then he says, much fruit. Uh, There ought to be some evidence in our lives that we are telling people about the Lord. I want, listen, I want there to be people at this church that God's allowed me to cross their path and talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and many of you, uh, I know that I talked to a young couple on Sunday and, and Brother Ernst, Ernest was standing there and he, I just said to the couple, I said, now how did you find out about our church? And he turned around and went, that guy right there. <laughs> and, and listen, I'm gonna, some of you, you, you have coworkers, you have neighbors, you have family members, friends, and uh, people that I'll never meet, but you know who they are, and we want to try to have fruit in our lives. And the Bible mentions the fruit of the Spirit, and there are nine that are mentioned in these couple verses. Now look at them again. The fruit of the Spirit is, and here's the list, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. Now, we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, and we've made it through. We spent a week on love, and then we talked about joy. Last time we were together, we covered peace. A lot of folks commented to me about that. Pastor, that helped to understand what God's peace is and how I need to have peace in my life, even in the midst of of a turbulent world uh, and a a workplace that I work in. So tonight, we're going to talk about the fruit of peace long-suffering, the fruit of long-suffering. And uh, to, to kind of get started tonight, I was uh, found a neat illustration. And I love illustrations because to me, they kind of they take the, the truth or the principle and they kind of uh, take the hammer and nail it a little bit. And this is, this is actually a true illustration. Uh, how many of you like dates? Anybody in here like dates? A couple of you, actually more than I probably would have figured do. And uh, interesting, maybe you know this, I I was doing some digging today, date palms don't actually begin to bear fruit until they are in their fourth year after they've been planted, and the fruit bearing doesn't uh, become prosperous until the trees are about eight years old. So you plant these these, uh, date palms, the fruit really doesn't begin to show up until they've been there for four years, and then they don't really get going until they're about eight years old, but they say that the, these uh, date palms are enduring trees that really don't reach their potential until they're 100 years old. They said it just takes that long for the date palms. Now, when I thought about that, I thought, well, that's a great representation of what this fruit that we're going to talk about tonight is, and that is this matter of long-suffering. It's a fruit that can only be produced by the Holy Spirit of God. In your notes I gave you, and I like to do word studies, etymology, the English word long-suffering. I want you to look at that in your notes. It actually comes from two Greek words that God gave to us. The first one is macro, which actually means slow, 
And then the other word is the word thumos, which is the word that means wrath. So if you put the two words together, oftentimes in the Greek language, this would be considered a compound word. When you put those two words together, it actually would be slow to wrath or long endurance or patience. So a lot of times when people talk about being long-suffering, they'll use the word, and we'll see it tonight, the word patience. Uh, you know, you, you get around some people. Some people are like a, a, uh, a tea kettle on the stove. I mean, it doesn't take much. You apply a little heat, and all of a sudden it starts whistling, you know. And other people, it's like, wow, they, they really don't have a boiling point. They, they are so long-suffering with those around them. Can I tell you tonight, as we think about this fruit, that God wants us, just like that date palm tree, God wants you and me to reach our full potential as a Christian. See, God saved us, and God wants to use us. And I, I know about in my life, I want to be used by God. Just like that, that date palm is something that, it, when it reaches its potential, I mean, there's a lot of fruit that is being produced. The same as in our lives. See, long-suffering or patience is something that the origin of long-suffering is actually an attribute of God. Look what it says over in the Old Testament book of Exodus. The Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. So notice that in that list, all the way back in the second book in our Bible, way over in the Old Testament, one of the characteristics or attributes described about our God is that God is long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. As Christians, what does God want for us? Well, we know what it says in the New Testament. God's heart and desire is that you and I would be conformed to the image of His own dear Son. In other words, if we are a Christian, that means we are to be like Christ. When I look at the fruits of the Spirit, as, as described here in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, I really feel like when you look at all of these fruits of the Spirit, that when you put them all together, you have a very good picture of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And you and I need to learn to be long-suffering the way Jesus was. Jesus displayed long-suffering in his life while he was on this earth. Numbers 14, 18, the Lord is long-suffering. He's of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression. Don't we have a good God? Yes. I mean, you think about how good God is. I, I, listen, sometimes I think to myself, all that God puts up with me, how long-suffering He is. Uh, you know, anytime I try to deal with my own children, I try to be like the Lord. Now, I, I probably failed miserably when I was younger with my children, but God's been helping me by His grace to be more long-suffering with my children. And, and listen, and, and even those that, that I'm around day in and day out, because we live in a world that, and I know you see this, people want revenge. Things happen to them, and they're seeking revenge. We, a lot of times people are they're, they're harboring ill feelings uh, towards other people. Uh, sometimes, and you see this a lot, people are trying to... Uh, settle things between them and somebody else by hiring attorneys. Uh, can I tell you that the Bible instructs us as a Christian, as a child of God, we should never go to court with another Christian. That ought not never to happen. 
And we live in a day where everybody is seeking revenge. And do you know when, when a person seeks revenge, it actually ends up coming back on us? Because you know what happens when we seek revenge? We become bitter and we become angry. I mean, you can just see it in people, how, how they're responding to that. What does the Bible tell us in Ephesians 4? Look at verse 26. Be angry and sin not. Let, let not the sun go down upon your wrath. See, it's talking about that matter of being long-suffering, the, the macro, the slow thumos, the slow wrath. He says, don't let the sun go. Listen, you should never go to bed at night upset with your spouse. You shouldn't lay your head on your pillow. You should say, listen, we're not, we're not going to bed until we get this settled. You know, And it's very important that we're long-suffering. Long-suffering is a fruit that's developed when a Christian is patient. Now, again, I, I can't think of a better person to study that, tonight from this matter of long-suffering than the Lord Jesus, because Jesus practiced the fruit of the spirit of long-suffering many times in his life. So look at the first thing I see about long-suffering is the perseverance of long-suffering. The perseverance of long-suffering. See, long-suffering enables us to continue in our lives even while we go through trials. Anybody in here ever gone through a trial in your life? I think everybody's hands probably up, right? We all experience that. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 4. The Bible says, In all things, approving ourselves as the ministers of God, look at these words, in much what? Patience. In afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. I mean, we could read on there in 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, but this is the Apostle Paul talking about things that he went through in his life. And it's amazing because, because Paul had the fruit of long-suffering or the fruit of patience, even while he was being afflicted, even while he needed things in his life, even while he was in distresses and being shipwrecked and stoned and all those things that Paul went through, because Paul displayed being long-suffering towards those around him, Paul was telling them by his long-suffering that he was a servant of God. In other words, I'm a Christian. I'm acting that way because this is the way Christians ought to act whenever, even, even during very difficult times of trial and trouble. Look what James writes in James 5.10. Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord, for an example of what? Suffering what? Affliction. And notice, and of patience. So, you know, look, we can go to the Old Testament, and we can also find even in the New Testament, those that have stood and they have told people about the Lord. Listen, sometimes I was telling uh, Brother RJ, we were going out on Saturday, going from house to house. We had a hand of gospel tracts, and we course had the joy of the Lord and we were just enjoying ourselves it was a beautiful day and I told RJ I said listen I said I can tell you this and I said it with all truthfulness to him because he's never gone out before and I and, and he's real excited about it and I told him I said I can tell you I've been doing this now for 35 years I said and in 35 years I said I on not more than what you can count on one hand have I, I really been cursed out or chased off of somebody's lawn or somebody pulled out a revolver on me? Now, I've, I've known that to happen to some folks. 
And, and I told him, I said, now, just because I said that, something's probably going to happen. But it didn't. <laughs> but I told him, I said, listen, honestly, RJ, I said, we have to understand that as we go out, listen, we are going to have to endure some things. We're going to have to be long-suffering. We're going to have to be patient because one of the fundamental characteristics of greatness is this ability to persevere. In other words, to endure, but watch this, not just endure, but to grow during those difficult times. See, I find that when the trials and the difficulties come, it's, it's an opportunity for me to grow. In other words, God brings those trials and God's trying to use them to grow me. Are you with me tonight? You understand what I'm saying? Now, a lot of times we don't think of that when we're going through a trial. You know, all of us, our human nature is to think about the bad instead of, listen, God meant it for good, right? God brings things into our lives. And I want, to, I want to share this with you. Look at letter A here tonight. We persevere because of God's purpose. See, God has a purpose in everything that happens in our lives. And we can persevere. Listen, a lot of times there are those around us. I've been in the ministry now for many, many years. And I've got a lot of friends that entered the ministry about the same time I did. But they're no longer in the ministry. There's a lot of people that have quit. There's a lot of people that, that used to be in church. They're no longer in church. They used to be serving God. They're no longer serving God. It's easy to quit. I mean, people, every time you turn around, you, you, somebody that used to be is no longer there. And when you think about this, what I'm trying to encourage you with tonight is that God has a purpose in our lives. And what we need to understand is that we can persevere. God's purpose. Let me give you three thoughts about God's purpose tonight. One is God brings trials into our lives, if you want to write this word down, for correction. All right? It, there's no blank there. This is just extra. Since you paid so much to be here tonight, I'm going to give you extra, okay? And so, so here's the thing is, God brings trials in, in our lives from time to time, and he brings it into our lives for correction. Anybody in here ever needed to be corrected? Let me ask you this. Anybody in here like to be corrected? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not seeing a whole lot of hands there. But I can tell you this. I, yeah, Greg's raising Janice's hand right there, all right? But here's the thing is, think about how many times we've needed to be corrected. Now, I know this. When God corrects, it's correcting that I definitely need. You think about you know, uh, some people, and, and I'm so glad that I got saved before I started having children, before I got married. People don't understand, if, especially if they're not Christians, but I've even known some Christians who don't know how to raise children. And uh, my sister, years ago, we, we, had, uh, we had our daughter before she had her first child, and, and uh, we certainly weren't perfect parents, but we were doing the best we could to raise our children. And my, I guess, you know, you just never know. My oldest sister, who's four years older than me, I didn't know it. she was watching us. She was watching how we were raising our daughter. And she said to me one day when I was over at her house doing some stuff at her house, she said, hey, can I ask you some questions? I said, sure. I never thought my older sister would ask me, say, listen, how are you raising your daughter? And I, I, I said, uh, well, I, I said, uh, you know, I began to talk to her and then I thought, well, I'm going to ask her. I said, so what are you, what are you thinking? What, what way are you right now thinking about because she, she told me, she said, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to raise my daughter. She was, she was still pregnant, and, and she knew she was going to have a girl. And I said, so, so what are you thinking? Now, my, my sister wasn't a Christian, 
she wasn't saved. And I said, what do you think? So she pulled out this book and she says, well, I've been reading this book. And it was Dr. Spock's book. And, uh, and so I told her, I, I was kind. I just said, listen, I'm going to tell you, if you want to raise your child properly, I said, the first thing you need to do is get rid of that book and you need to get the book. And she kind of looked at me and I, she goes, what book? And I said, the Bible. And she says, so what does the Bible say? And I began to share with, you know, the Bible says to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That means that, listen, you don't just, every time your child does something wrong, you don't just grab a paddle and paddle them, you know, you don't automatically do that because here's the thing is the Bible says that you need to, you need to love them and correct them, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And by the way, anytime you correct them, it's always to help them and not to hurt them. You know, they taught, somebody taught me a long time ago, the Bible says, spare not the rod, spoil the child, but you need to be careful about using that same hand that you love them with. And so, you know, my, you probably heard me tell the story, but my children were, I was trying to build a house for my wife and I was out there, had all my tools out and she brought the kids out. I was glad to see them, but they were playing around where all my sharp tools were. And I was trying to tell them, I told them two or three times and maybe your kids listen the first time. My children, they were just being children. And I told him, I said, listen, if you don't stop, I said, dad's going to grab one of those pieces of wood and he's going to take that saw and he's going to make a paddle and he's going to use it. And they didn't believe me. And so I took a piece of that wood and I made a paddle and we still have it at my house. I still threaten my children and they're in their thirties now. I'm going to get that out. Just, we're just going to have a whooping party and just, re, you know, and, and so listen, even when I would discipline my children, I did it because I love them. Uh, do you ever have some of your parents tell you that? I'm doing this because I love you. And you're like, yeah, right. But can I, sh look, look what the Bible says in Hebrews 12. Whom the Lord loveth, I'm reading the Bible. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure, there it is, long suffering. If ye endure chastening. God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chasteneth not? Anybody ever got a whooping from God? <laughs> I've had quite a few, you know, and, and I'll tell you, the, the Lord's taken me to the woodshed many, many times. But, you know, I always think about this. I don't do things just so that the Lord would chasten me. But I'll tell you this, it sure brings comfort to my heart that I am his child when he's going to deal with me. See, God's not going to let me sin successfully. And sometimes what the Lord will do is he'll bring trials into our lives for correction. Uh, when, when Christians, listen, here's the key. And if you're a child of God, when a Christian starts heading in a direction that is contrary to God's will for your life, guess what he's going to do? He's going to lovingly chasten you to bring you back to himself and to his will for your life. And so it's so important we see this is a part of God's purpose is that the Lord will bring trials for our correction. A second one, if you want to jot this down, is God brings trials into our lives to challenge us. So not only to correct us, but sometimes God brings trials to challenge us. Here's, here's the thing is, are you the kind of person that's self-motivated or do you need a push, a nudge? Most people are not self-motivated people. And do you know that the average Christian will never reach their potential unless someone encourages them or somebody nudges them or somebody challenges them? 
And, and, and I'm glad that I've had people in my life that have challenged me. I, I, I'll never forget when I was sitting out in the church, uh, in my home church, on a Sunday night, true story, my pastor's up at the pulpit, uh, he, was, he was leading in prayer on a Sunday night, and when he finished leading in prayer, he says, okay, we're going to have another song, and after that song, Brother Richard Taylor's going to come up and preach for five minutes, and then we're going to sing another song, and then we're going to have Brother Dane Keeley come up and preach for five minutes, and then when we finish with that song, we're going to have Brother So-and-so come up and preach for five minutes. Now, what you need to understand is, the three men that he just named, which one of them was me, none of us were in the ministry, none of us had been called to preach, we were just church members sitting in church. And when he said that I was going to preach, I just went, mm-hmm. you know, like, I'm going to do what? You know, and I'm thinking, what is he doing? You know, but he was challenging me because, listen, you know what God wants all of us to do? God wants us to get to the next level in our Christian life. Sometimes here's what we do. We level out in our Christian life. We just go through the motions. You know, it's just the same old thing, week in, week out, year in, year out. And what God wants to do is God brings things into our lives. Look at Psalm 119, verse 71. We're talking about God bringing trials to challenge us. Look at this verse. It is good for me, the psalmist says, that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. He says, I would have never learned that if you wouldn't have challenged me, God, if you wouldn't have brought that trial into my life, we're guilty of kind of setting our lives on this autopilot mode and just kind of making our own decisions and not including it. And so, listen, I don't mean this in a bad way. I'm not trying to sound like I'm definitely not the Holy Spirit, but I do know this is true. That sometimes here's what happens is God will bring something into our lives to get our attention. He's done that in my life. Because we get to the place where we've been saved for a number of years, and it's almost like we don't need the Lord anymore. And so what God will do is He'll bring a trial, and He'll bring this trial in our lives, not only to correct us, but secondly, to challenge us. But then look at the third thing I see is, is that God brings trials into our lives so that He can use us in a greater way. God wants to use you in a greater way. You might say, well, listen, pastor, I'm already, I'm already ushering. I'm already uh, doing this. I'm already doing that. Listen, the sky's the limit with the Lord. I remember every time around our home church, whenever my pastor would stand and say, hey, listen, we're going to, uh, this Saturday, I remember one, Saturday, one uh, Wednesday night, he says, this Saturday, we're going to re-roof the parsonage. And so, and so guess what I did Saturday? I showed up to re-roof the parsonage. My wife said to me one time, and my wife loves the Lord. We've been serving the Lord together. My wife said to me, she says, how come you have to volunteer every time the pastor asks for something? I said, because I just, I just want to do something for God. You know, I mean, now, I didn't make anybody else feel guilty about it. I just, anytime something happened, I was there. And you know, the neat thing was, there was about nine guys that showed up to help roof that parsonage. And guess how many out of those nine had ever done a roof before? Two of us. I say, what'd you do? Well, somebody had to carry the shingles up to the roof. There's a front of the roof, a back of the roof. There, somebody, two or three guys carried those shingles. A couple guys handed the shingles so that the guy that was putting them down didn't have to keep getting up, getting down. And we got the job done. It was a little crooked, but it was, it was done. It didn't leak when we finished. But listen, folks, God brings things into our lives, trials, so that God can use us in a greater way. Remember the story of Joseph in the Old Testament? Remember what happened in Joseph's life? God, listen, God allowed him to be sold into slavery. And then God allowed him 
to go into, uh, of course, Egypt. And all of that was because God was going to use him in a greater way. He became one of the most powerful men and a great ruler in, this, in, in, the, in Egypt. And look what the Bible says in Genesis 5, 20, 50, 20. He, Joseph said this to his brothers, as for you, he says, ye thought evil against me, but he says, God meant it for good. He says, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Sounds to me like Joseph had learned to be long-suffering with his brothers. It sounds to me like God was using him in a greater way. I don't know what God's plan is for your life, but I can tell you this, and I can promise you, God has something far greater than you can even think about for your life. Uh, you know, when I think about all that the Lord's done in my life, I'm, I'm still in awe and still excited about what the Lord has done in my life. I'm excited about how God is beginning to touch hearts of those in our church here. But listen, don't allow the trials to go to waste. Let God use those trials to prepare you for something greater, for a greater season of usefulness. So look, we can persevere because of God's purpose, but letter B, we can persevere because of God's priority. Look at these verses, Romans 8 here. We know, and we, we know verse 28 real well, don't we? We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Notice, according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, a lot of people misunderstand that second verse, verse 29, is not talking about salvation. It's that once we are saved, God wants us, that's the fruits of the Spirit, to be like his son, to be conformed to the image of his son. So God has a purpose for every one of us, and that is what his purpose is. He wants us to be a good representation of Jesus. God has saved us and left us here. And oftentimes this conforming is something that will follow our willingness. In other words, Lord, I see what's going on in my life. You brought the trials. You're trying to correct me, challenge me. And so what I want to do as a Christian is I want to be willing to wait on the Lord even during times of adversity. Look at somebody said in, in adversity, we want God to do a removing job. When all it's really God wants to do is an improving job. See, many times we want God to remove. Remember what Paul said? He said, three times I prayed and asked God to remove. What did he want him to remove? Thorn in the flesh. Did God take Paul's thorn away? Now, there's a lot of discussion even among theologians today. What was that thorn? Listen, what the thorn was is not important. What's important is... God brought it into his life, and what did Paul say? He says, I most gladly, therefore, glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, I embrace this trial. It, listen, he was long-suffering in that area in his life. See, sometimes God will not remove a problem because God wants that problem to provide a blessing to us. God wants us, maybe in our lives, maybe God's going to bring something in your life to get you to understand that he wants you to read his word more. Maybe God wants you to serve in some capacity. Uh, maybe the Lord wants you, again, to be more like his son, Jesus. But the whole thing is, is that when it comes to long-suffering, we can persevere. We must continue to serve God. So notice 
the perseverance of long-suffering, but notice secondly that when it comes to long-suffering, there is something called the influence of it, the influence of long-suffering. Now, again, I found a great illustration here, true illustration. It's actually a bamboo tree called the Moso tree. I don't know if that's, I'm pronouncing it right. Anybody ever heard of it, the Moso uh, bamboo tree? This is kind of an interesting, true thing, but this, this is a bamboo, uh, bamboo plant that grows in China in the Far East. And once you plant this uh, Moso plant, it is not visible as far as growth. There's no visible growth for five years. So five years, you see absolutely no growth. Then it begins to grow, but listen to this. It grows after five years, you see no growth. At the beginning of the fifth year, it begins to grow at the rate of two and a half feet per day. And it grows at that rate, reaching a full height of 90 feet within, 60, within six weeks. So this thing goes from no visible growth at all, six weeks after it reaches that five-year point, it, it's now 90 feet tall. The amazing phenomenon of this this Moso plant is that all of this happens as a result of the miles, here's the key, the miles of roots that were actually developing in those first five years, getting ready for that, that plant to become a 90-foot tree. Now, having thought about that illustration, and that's a great illustration of this matter of long-suffering because I think in my life, sometimes when I think about what I'm going through, that there are times where it just seems like life and, and the anguish of life is so overwhelming. And many times we really don't understand what is the Lord doing. Anybody ever been there? You know, God, what are you doing in this? But look what the psalmist says. Be still and know that I am God. In other words, you know, look, that, that bamboo tree... We can't understand what it's doing. Why isn't it growing? And then all of a sudden, and God says, look, he says, I will be exalted above the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. When you look back in your life, you can honestly, if you're like me, you can see God in your life putting down the roots, just like that Moso plant. And maybe, maybe there was a time period there where there was absolutely no growth. But now all of a sudden, because of this influence that God's given us, Somebody said, long-suffering is the grace of a man who could revenge himself, but he does not. And you know what God's given to every one of us? You have it tonight. God has given to every one of us influence. Now look at these couple areas. Notice we have, first of all, influence with our families. It, it, we use this word a lot of times, testimony. You have a testimony. The Bible wants us, uh, helps us understand that you and I, we, we have to have the right testimony. And, and many times around our family members, they're watching us. They're watching you more than you realize it. Like I said about my oldest sister, I had no idea she was watching. Many times we don't realize who's watching our lives, who's watching our families. But, it, but people are. See, Christian families especially should exhibit long-suffering. There should be a a godly love in our lives. God wants, uh, listen, I believe this all in my heart. God wants husbands and wives to be filled with the Spirit. Look, look what it says in Ephesians 4. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up 
that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So God wants Christians to be full-time ministers of the grace of God. And the only way that's possible is to be long-suffering towards one another. The influence of long-suffering with our families, but notice secondly, also with others around us. We've got to have a patient spirit. Uh, we can influence those in our neighborhood, those in our church. We can influence those at work. Listen, you have influence, and you're not going to gain respect from your coworkers when you fly off the handle about something. You've got to have the right spirit. This fruit of long-suffering, it's a product of love. Look at 1 Corinthians 13. We call it the love chapter, verse 4. Charity, what does it do? It suffereth long. See the, see the, the long-suffering there? See the love that's attached to it? it? It says it's kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. In other words, are you and I, are we bearing fruit in our lives that's different from the world? Because we should be if we're Christians. So we, we understand this. Look what Paul says in, in Ephesians chapter 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith that uh, ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. There it is again, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, the greatest example of long suffering was Jesus. Look what Peter said about him. He says about the Lord Jesus, when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. So, as a Christian, in this area of being long-suffering, we, you and I, have a testimony to uphold. We have an influence with our family, with those around us. It's so important we understand the influence that comes along with this matter of being long-suffering. But then notice number three tonight, the deliverance of long-suffering. Because when I think about this, I understand from the scriptures that God gives us hope, even in this area of being long-suffering. There are two tremendous promises in the Bible in this area of long-suffering. Look at the first one is the, the deliverance of salvation. The deliverance of salvation. Peter writes, he says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but His long-suffering to usward. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Here's how I, you know, it, I, hopefully you agree with this tonight because we've already looked at it from the Word of God, that one of the characteristics of God, one of the attributes of God is that God is long-suffering. And that verse right there that Peter wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it proves that, is, that God is long-suffering towards us because God is not willing that any would perish. In other words, God is waiting, God is wanting everyone to be saved. Aren't you glad that God stayed after you? until you came to know Him as your Savior. See, God is long-suffering. He delays His coming. God doesn't want one person to spend eternity without His Son, Jesus. Not one. And He gives us the opportunity. He, look, God wants us to repent. Listen, I'm glad in my life that God was long-suffering toward me for three years. I sat in a church just like this, and I heard message after message after message and listen, whatever it was, of course, thick head, hard heart, whatever you want to call it, but three years God was long-suffering. You know why? Because God didn't want me to go to hell. 
and listen, I'm eternally grateful for that. Paul writes to Timothy, notice 1 Timothy 1, how be it for this cause, Paul says, I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to life everlasting. See, the Lord is not willing. So when I think about long-suffering, I think of the, the deliverance of salvation, that God is not willing that any would perish. But then notice letter B, I see the second great promise is the deliverance of the second coming. If you're here tonight and you're saved, listen, we know what the Bible says, that the Lord is coming again. We believe that the Lord is coming soon. See, if we're saved, one day the Lord will deliver us and he will take us home to be with him in heaven. Peter writes in chapter 3 of 2 Peter, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, we look for a new heaven, new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, uh, be, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. That's talking about his second coming, that the Lord's going to take us out. He's going to take us to be with him for all of eternity. Tonight, listen, as we think about this fruit, the fruit of long-suffering, the Holy Spirit of God can produce in us the ability to endure. Listen, only God can do that. It is the fruit of the Spirit. A great example of that, uh, some of you may have heard of John Wesley, and uh, Wesley was a man that was used mightily by God, but this is a great illustration, true illustration of Wesley's life about how he became a man that was long-suffering and just stayed at it. Listen to this, Wesley in his diary wrote about his patience, and here's what he said, on Sunday morning, May the 5th, he recorded in his diary, preached in St. Anne's Church, was asked not to come back anymore. Listen, same day, Sunday night, May the 5th, preached in St. John's Church, and the deacons said to me, get out and stay out. The next Sunday, in the morning, May the 12th, he wrote in his diary, preached at St. Jude's Church, and then he wrote, can't go back there either. That evening, he recorded that he had preached in another church and the deacons called a special meeting and said that I could not come back. On Sunday evening, May the 19th, he says, I preached on the street and I was kicked off the street for preaching. Sunday morning, May the 26th, he says, I preached in a meadow. I was chased out of the meadow as a bull was turned loose during the service. This is true. Sunday morning, June the 2nd, he says, I preached out at the edge of town and I was kicked off the highway. Sunday night, June the 2nd, after all that happened, he says, I preached in a pasture. 10,000 people came out to hear me. You say, how's that possible? because you have to be long-suffering. You have to be patient. You may have to endure some things to reach your full potential, but you know what will happen? God will give you influence, and God will give you deliverance. Look at the Bible, says in James 5, 8, Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, 
for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. The Lord could come back today. And you know what I, you and I need to be doing while we're waiting for his return? We need to have the fruit of being long-suffering, slow to wrath, patient. May God help us all to be that way because that's the way the Lord is with us, right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Pray that you bless your word to our hearts. Thank you again for the great admonition, the correction, the challenge from the word of God. Certainly, Lord, we understand if trials come into our lives, that God, you mean it for good that you would never tempt us with evil, that, God, you're always working on our behalf. We're your children. You'd never hurt us, but, Lord, you will challenge us, Lord, to reach our full potential and help us to do that very thing. God, may we serve you with all of our hearts until you call us home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.